The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You can not only learn from your mistakes, you can celebrate them. They define who you are and serve as a learning tool to become your most beautiful self ever. Welcome to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting, with your host, Jim Stacy. Jim is the author of 11 books and is here to help you experience the power of the divine deep within yourself. It's inside you. You just have to know where and how to look for it. Now, here is Jim Stacy. Thank you for joining me today. This is Jim Stacy, your host. I want to remind you before we get started of the three ways you can reach me if you have questions, uh, comments, any kind of things you want to share with me. I'd be glad to listen to you and respond to you. So first of all is my website, which is www.thedivineiswithinus.com. On Facebook, the same five words, The Divine Is Within Us. At email, thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. Today's topic is celebrating all your mistakes. On the last two shows, I was talking about guilt and shame, where they come from and how to deal with them. There's nothing that has contributed to guilt and shame for human beings and what we feel and live with every day like religion has done to us all. To begin with this truth is to lay the groundwork for today's show that is about getting beyond religion to living our lives without all of that negativity. Our society, and all that is included in that, is sometimes our biggest enemy. Yet, right there is also the key to our overcoming all that has been holding us back from our most beautiful selves. To begin to open our eyes uh, to, to the realities of, let's say, all the deceptions that are around us in the world of politics and greed. And there were so many people just looking out for themselves and not really caring about others and their needs. To begin to open our eyes to this is vastly important. We live in a society where we've been taught so many lies. Our history books are full of them because history books are always written by the winners. They leave out the voices of the losers. And our history books for America are the same. The lies of man-made religions are at the bedrock of all of those kinds of issues, but also the values and the lies we've been taught about us being Americans have also, as Americans, we've been wounded far more deeply than we realize at times. We seem to be in a punishment-oriented society Wherein today our prison populations are alarming with the so many with the numbers of people now in, in prisons because they're controlled by for profit corporations. Making money is for them more important than the people who are in prison. In all this we see that to be punished for making mistakes is far more valuable to them than working with the people to see them healed and restored. When will we understand? that punishment is never what corrects behavior. 
Most of the time, it only makes things worse. To call prisons correction facilities is just crazy. It is punishment only in the minds of most of the prosecutors, the judges, and the lawyers. But to punish instead of giving out loving correction to those who have made mistakes is sheer folly. And in our system, there are huge numbers of prisoners who are in prison falsely, having been convicted by people who lied purposely. I read just this week a statement where a cop admitted to years and years of planting evidence, lying on the witness stand, joining with other officers just to get people punished. I knew a former state trooper years ago. I remember him telling me that he did the same thing, and I remember him laughing about it. And I thought then, how crazy is this, that we have to lie to get other people in trouble? It's only covering up our own mistakes. It's only covering up what we're ashamed of. And just this week, the news has revealed that the three top men who were so eager to punish Bill Clinton for his mistakes were themselves living in the same kinds of mistakes in their personal lives while doing all they could to punish someone else. And right there we see the extreme dishonesty in our society. But how that same dishonesty may be influencing ourselves at times is our issue for today. Can we see and admit to our own mistakes? And can we correct those mistakes? Yes, we can. And we can learn also to celebrate our mistakes and the mistakes of others with no punishment involved. Now, I know that that phrase, celebrate our mistakes, or celebrate the mistakes of others, really cuts across the grain of many of the things we've been taught in our society. But I'm going to share that with you further today and in shows to come. Yes, it's true. We can and we will be able to celebrate our mistakes when we learn from them. When we see the insights that we've gained and when we've seen the mistakes we've made as doorways to further deeper truth, then we begin to celebrate. Wow, I learned that from making that mistake. That is the sure path to not making that mistake again, instead of repeating mistakes over and over again, not really understanding why we're doing that. But how deep is the corruption in our society? And yet, the problem we face as members of this society are twofold, as I see it. Number one, we must speak out about the corruption where we see it. We must speak out about the issues that violate people's rights and freedom. We must speak out. And number two, we can also learn to face our own mistakes and learn from them and use them to take us to a whole new level of authentic living. I've been trying to practice something lately. I'd like to share that with you. In the light of what I've just been saying, I am now looking at every accuser a little bit differently. When I see that happen in the news or in person, I'm asking myself just what might the accuser be hiding. Instead of listening to the ranting and raving and the finger pointing, rather than just wondering about the accusation, I'm seeing more and more that so many are hiding something. How do I know that? (laughs) Because I've done it myself. I choose to not join any accuser and try to make another person out to be guilty in some way. 
And I know that it's also very important to be a critic of the issues that are so harmful to others, rather than just the humans involved. I'm finding that to be a challenging activity, for always mixed up in this are my own projections and or mirrors of my own mistakes. To be honest in all of this is not easy, but it is vastly rewarding. I must always ask myself if there's anything that I'm hiding and or not being open or transparent about. The more I practice this, the more liberating it is and the more I can live free and creative. Mistakes are not about getting punished. Never. Our society has gotten this wrong from day one. The church got it wrong from the day that weak men decided to hide their own shame and guilt and project them onto people who, in their minds, need to be afraid of being punished, at least according to their dogma. But dogma is just an excuse to not deal with their own issues. Let me share some history of that truth. I mentioned on the last show that the concept of original sin that was made up by a man named Augustine in the 4th century, that doctrine or dogma states that You are born as a wicked sinner, and you deserve eternal punishment in fire before you even take your first breath. Yes, that is the theology of the church because of him. But what I didn't share with you last time is the history of how that happened. For in Rome, in the days of Augustine's youth, there were what was called the Roman baths. Now, these baths were a cover for prostitution. These brothels were there because the Roman emperor Caligula and others ordered them to be established and then taxed them for revenue for the empire. Rome was making a lot of money on this arrangement. It just so happened that as a young man, Augustine loved to go to these baths. He said so in his own biography. He loved what he found there. He just couldn't help himself as he revealed in his own words. He couldn't stop seeing those prostitutes. One of his prayers in his famous book called The Confessions of Augustine was exactly this, quote, Lord, help me to be chaste and continent, but not just yet, end quote. In other words, he was praying, oh, Lord, help me to control myself, but I'm having too much fun to stop just now. And tragically or otherwise, later in life when he was impotent, He decided that it wasn't his fault that he couldn't control himself as a young man. He found a faulty Latin text that fabricated the sins about Adam and Eve, and he loved what he found. Suddenly, he was not guilty because it was Adam's fault for sinning and putting that wickedness upon the whole human race. I wondered even as a kid how absurd that is, how utterly ridiculous Augustine said he couldn't control himself, all because Adam couldn't. Then they blamed it all on the woman, of course. It became all Eve's fault. So conveniently, Augustine and all other men are not guilty for their lack of control, but the women are. And we see that today in various forms of misogyny and blaming the women. In all of those condemnations, men want to go free. Even the pedophiles are all too often allowed to go free. But anytime we point at a woman, guys, and say it's her fault, we are being extremely dishonest. One of the famous quotes that people like to quote of mine, actually, is one that I came up with about two years ago. 
Or I said, weak men must become as strong as the women they fear. And I mean that. I mean it with all my heart. Men have been using the same excuse since the Roman Catholic Church began teaching all of this garbage in the ninth century. The garbage about us being guilty before we take our first breath, that is. They love the idea of controlling people with guilt and shame and punishment for making their mistakes. In fact, they loved it so much that they later made Augustine a saint. And he's been known as St. Augustine ever since. And later, he became the official theologian of the Roman Catholic Church for the rest of his life and beyond. A saint for being so dishonest? Yes, that is what happened, and it's all recorded history. But the church turned every mistake into a sin that deserved punishment, as they covered their own sins, as they called them, and projected their guilt onto the masses. It is truly amazing how religion, and the church in this case, circumvented the teachings of Yeshua or Jesus, and they came up with exactly the opposite of what he taught. But at the same time, they claim that they're following the one they call Lord. I say they are not. The reason I know that is because I did the same thing myself for so many years, and I, one day I had to wake up. I had to admit that it wasn't so. But then what? Well, there's another way to, to live, and I had to find that. Just one powerful example of how they distorted what Yeshua taught comes to the famous Lord's Prayer that is uh, so unconsciously uh, repeated over and over almost every Sunday by so many people. We find a totally different story in the Aramaic prayer that Yeshua taught his disciples. There are many major issues in that prayer that I'll be covering in the shows to come. But for today, I just want to point out two of them. Number one, Yeshua or Jesus never ever referred to the divine as Father only. Now this totally surprises almost everyone after hearing nothing but that all their lives. What he said in Aramaic was, Avun devashmaya nethkadish shema te malkuta. And what he said in that is, O birthing one, mother and father of all life everywhere, focus the light of your divinity within us and help us to experience that. I say this now because just a bit later in this show, I'll be talking about the voice of the ancient divine feminine, some of the most powerful and healing words I've ever read. I've written about her in one of my books called Letting Go of All Illusions, The End of Guilt, Shame, and Remorse. But the second issue that I want to mention is that Yeshua never, ever said the word sin. There's no word for that in the Aramaic. And right there in that prayer is proof because the word sins and trespasses are not used, even though they were put in there by the, the church. What he said was, And the translation of that is, not sins, but loosen the cords of mistakes that are wrapped around me as I loosen the cords of guilt that I have wrapped around other people. I give credit to Dr. Neil Douglas Klotz, my first Aramaic mentor for this translation. It is interesting to know and look at the habit of labeling our deeds as mistakes, but other people are guilty. Of course, we've learned that behavior, and we've learned it from other places, and it works sometimes, 
until we decide that it isn't the truth. And then we have to choose to live differently and correct those errors. So what if you were to look at all your mistakes as good friends that you welcomed with delight, then to sit down and talk with them, the mistakes that is, and to see just what they might be sharing with you? What if every mistake then proved to be a friend that revealed to you a gift that would make your life more beautiful? I'm not kidding. This can happen with great delight. I know. I've done it. I continue to do it. I find it to be a really neat spiritual practice. This can happen with no remorse, no shame, and no guilt. This spiritual practice is one of the most important that we can step into. Your mistakes, my friends, are not embarrassing problems to hide. Your mistakes are not what the church has called sins. Your mistakes are not to be hidden, pushed away, or denied. Your mistakes are not inherent flaws in your humanity. Not long ago, I was absolutely delighted to read about an indigenous tribe in South America and how they handled the mistakes of their people. Instead of punishing them or making them bad, they took that person and put them in the middle of a celebration circle. And there they spent much time dancing and singing and reminding that person in the middle of their beauty and the good that was within them. As they danced around that person, singing and speaking forth all that supported and encouraged him or her to remember who they truly are and to come back into that consciousness and be that more and more, they found that person's life was changed and they were brought back into harmony with all the others. To be reminded of our beauty is far more helpful than to be shamed, obviously. And then at a later time, the person who was in the circle on that day might have the occasion to join the circle uh, around them and do the very same healing kinds of therapy and messages for someone else who had made a mistake and stepped into the circle. Recently, I've been given an interesting opportunity to practice what I preach. That always happens, of course, when in the midst of writing about something or speaking about something, I get a chance to walk my talk. I've tried for the last several years to be an example in loving neighbors, that category that the church has failed so badly. We're going to stop and take a break right now. I'll continue this in just a couple minutes. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian Healing the Shame and Fear from Man Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles. And you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. 
Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus Was Not a Christian, available right now on Amazon.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You are listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to the divine is within us at gmail.com. Again, that's the divine is within us at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. So when it comes to loving our neighbors, wow, this can be difficult. And I've made a lot of mistakes around that over the years. I remember years past, it was so much easier to criticize somebody or call them names or whatever the case might have been. But as I said before the break, I've been given a chance to learn this in a different way, to do something differently. I have a lot of neighbors around me that are very good people. And at the same time, I'm also challenged by one of the nastiest people on the planet living next door to me. But other than that one, they are really good people. In the last year, I noticed a property down the road where a woman has spent many, many hours in her front yard pulling weeds and working on her flower beds, creating a view that was really pleasant for everyone driving past. And then last summer, I noticed that the work had stopped for some reason. Everything was being neglected as the grass was growing, not being mowed, and the flower beds are no longer weeded, and everything was looking more and more run down. I thought maybe she was ill, or maybe she had died. But since I didn't know anyone who lived there, I didn't stop to ask until later. When I did, a young man came to the door. I inquired if all was well or not. He told me his mother had been suffering from some mental issues and was not able to do the work outside like she did before. He was trying to do it, but he just didn't have the time. By then it was fall. The outside work was ending. So I didn't think much more about it until spring. When the same issue continued, only it got much worse. A lawn tractor was sitting in the high grass and was obviously broken. The weeds were getting worse. One day as I drove by, I knew inside of me that I must stop and see what was happening. The next time I saw his truck on the driveway, I stopped. Things were much worse for him, and he had no way to get the work done. He'd suddenly been laid off. And without warning, with his wife and three kids, he didn't know what to do. So I asked him if I could take his tractor into it and get it repaired. He was totally surprised, but he said, you know, I can't afford to pay for it. I said that I would be willing to take care of that, and I'll pay for the repairs myself just to help a neighbor. I could see he couldn't believe it was possible somebody would be doing that. So with his permission, I got two other of my really good neighbors involved. One loaned me his trailer to transport the mower. The other went over and actually mowed the property for the young man. I took the tractor in, had it looked over, checked out, and in a few days, they had it all repaired. 
I took it back. And when I went to the door, the young man's grandmother came to the door, who also lived there, I found out, and I handed her the paperwork. And as I did, she stepped out of the door, and with tears running down her face, she gave me a hug of appreciation. But all this reminded me of times in my past when it was just easier to point out a problem or criticize somebody for not doing something or just be plain, plainly focused on my own issues instead of taking the time to bother with somebody else's problems. It took me a while to learn. I had a past to overcome. It wasn't until I began to understand and study and apply the Aramaic teachings to my life that everything began to change. One of the most beautiful and most rewarding experiences in life is to embody with my own actions and to be, choose to become a new self that I want to be beyond all past mistakes. And I learned to celebrate my mistakes, and that's why I'm sharing some of this with you. There's much more to be covered in this today than we're going to have time for, but I'm going to share as much as I can, and we'll be doing more on shows to come. When it comes into my awareness that I could actually learn to celebrate all of my mistakes, learn from them, and live more beautifully, I knew that I was on the threshold of a whole new way of living. The experience of flying is much like our experience in living, wherein the constant adjustments due to the air currents, the weather, the control tower, and are the norm. The admixture of voices from flight control and the pilot's own experience in the cockpit must be integrated if the experience of flying, taking off, and landing is to be successful. Within what those adjustments, we begin, they begin immediately as the aircraft starts down the runway, and they don't end until after touchdown. It has been said that flying is the second greatest thrill for humans. The greatest thrill is, of course, landing safely. Perhaps our lives and the adventures we've entered are like many takeoffs and landings. On one such adventure many years ago, rising and falling through the air currents, much like the worst roller coaster I could imagine, holding my breath in the tense moments of uncertainty, gripping my seat with no amount of fear, wishing with much emotion <laughs> that I'd never taken this flight, feeling sickness in my stomach, my head aching from the stress of what felt like great danger, seeing the faces of other terrified passengers, hearing the sounds of tension and fear and dismay, we wondered if this trauma would ever end as the plane plunged, darted about, climbed again, fluttered through the air and bounced along, only to repeat this again. But then finally to smooth out, safely landing to everyone's extreme relief and delight, except the man across from me, who, unknowingly to us all, had died of a heart attack only moments before. Life's adventures are but a myriad of experience, each one lived by us wherein many times we find ourselves alone and faced with the need to choose our way through. Life is choices. In many ways, our entire life is but a series of choices moment by moment, hour by hour, one lifetime at a time. What choices we make, what patterns we develop, what differences we experience. It may be memories we hold or pain that we've been through. It may be the own disowned parts of our own self that we've hidden or suffering we've endured. 
It may be moments of sheer delight that come our way, or it could be fears we've never talked about. The moments of celebration, that have been ours, but in all of these, we are constantly choosing in order to experience one goal and one goal only. The goal is the same for you and for me and every other person on the planet. Every goal in everything that we do is to get our needs met. And in meeting those needs, we don't always make the best choices. Yet they are our choices designed to get us to some place, to land safely, to experience life, and to learn in that process just what our needs really are. We all need self-worth. We need a sense of purpose. We need the power of choosing. We need to know the feelings of having integrity and connection. We need inclusion, appreciation. We need respect, community, mutual trust, love, safety. We need celebration, beauty and harmony, and the sharing of both grief and triumph, and much more. Consciously or not, we don't. Doing our best to get our needs met. So consciously, I'm sorry, but an unexpected phone right there. We're always working to get our needs met. The ways in which we meet them are not always in our best interest. It seems, and, a, and certainly not in the best interest of others at times. In the process of living, our mistakes are not the evidence of something bad. Our mistakes can be, if we are to celebrate life in any deep way at all, the things that can reveal to us what is possible to be and to become. We always grow from the old energies to a new way of being, or we take another flight from past choices to new patterns. The beauty within our existence as humans is that we are never trapped in any part of our past. We always choose our way out, however difficult or easy those choices may be and the results of each one. I have a quote from a book called The Disappearance of the Universe by Gary Renard. And I quote, The difference between your mistakes and the mistakes of enlightened beings rests in their ability to practice true forgiveness. They realize that if the mistakes of others should be forgiven immediately, then so should theirs. Most carry their mistakes and their guilt with them for aeons, but there's no need for that. We can never break loose from our mistakes until we realize exactly what chains are binding us and keeping us in prison. What if the pilot never listened to the control tower? What if he or she totally took control from the cockpit, turned off the radio, and flew by the seat of their pants? I'm sure no pilot has logged enough hours in flight to get through the next flight from hell. A good pilot always needs someone with a greater perspective, a different perspective, and a larger overview. This is much like our own inner life experience. Do I depend on myself, or do I learn to trust a higher guidance? How do I know the difference? Do we know ourselves as human only, or as both human and divine? The Aramaic Yeshua, Jesus, spoke of this issue when he said, The greater I am is within you, the smaller I am. He revealed that knowing the experience of that truth is the way back home, the right direction on that path, and the strength and energy to walk that path all the way back home. The truth is 
that we are the divine in human form in the midst of having a human experience that we call life. We're here for the school of learning, all that can take us to the greater place of service for later in eternal purposes. For some, however, to listen to the still small voice within, the voice of the divine that is available to us constantly, is but an idea to be scoffed at and disowned. You're nuts, is a common response to the idea that we can actually learn to hear an inaudible, silent voice within. Yet, we are all highly experienced and skilled at listening to the inaudible, silent voice of our ego. The ego that dictates our behavior much more than most of us are willing to admit at times. The ego says, silently, yell at that idiot. Put that person down. Isn't he stupid? Repeat a story about her. Look down upon him. You are so much more enlightened than she is. He's, not, he's guilty, not you. And so many more projections that come directly out of our ego. Well, all the time, the ego doesn't want us to see that it is what is in control. We're so used to hearing the silent voice of the ego, we don't make enough effort to learn to listen to the divine within. I know. I struggled with the same thought many years ago. And over time, I've learned, and I'm still learning more and more, how to listen to the different voices and how to pay attention, how to develop my intuition, how to learn to know and to hear from the energies of the divine. That divine is within us. That's why I, my website is thedivineiswithinus.com. It's what Yeshua taught. It's what I'm learning more about every day, and you can too. And I want to share all those things with you and cheer you on. Cheer you on in your mistakes. Cheer you on in living life. And cheer you on in learning to listen to the divine within you. There's no way that we can let the ego keep talking to us. Now, there are those that I call themselves divine experts in their own mind, but they call the, they accuse rather the divine of saying all kinds of silly things. But we all have to learn what really is that voice of peace and love and power within, the voice of compassion, the voice of healing, the voice of nurturing, and the voice that includes all other people. The crucial issue for the human is to be able to hear the divine and practice the loving principles that are always come from the source of love. This requires us first to desire to hear beyond the ego. Secondly, to the courage to do the inner transformative work that is required so we can begin to hear. And third, the choice to ask for the ears to hear, the heart to understand, and the courage to follow through and practice what one then hears is needed. The ego doesn't want us to hear that other voice. The ego doesn't want us to pay attention to it, to practice the loving principles or anything else that puts blame on one's shadow instead of blaming others. Projecting our own stuff onto them, holding them guilty, and using them as external scapegoats for our own failings. We talked about all those things last week, the last two weeks actually. But right in the middle of scapegoat are the three letters that spell ego. The ego loves projections. The ego loves judgments. Those 
are its means of staying hidden beneath the shadows and holding on to its own garbage. These are our biggest mistakes. Not learning to listen to our own intuition, the divine voice within, is our, perhaps our greatest mistake. But once we do this, once we begin to experience it, we know that the celebration has just begun. The luxury of holding on to others' guilt is what we never have is that we never have to look within. The false sense of being better than others is but a trap of the ego for its own protection. As long as I have so and so to blame for my problems and so and so to hold accountable for what I did, I can continue a self-justification that loves to hide behind grudges and battles with those I really love to dislike. <clears throat> but forgiveness? <laughs> Who needs that, says the ego? Yet the ego knows that if I forgive others, then I no longer have someone external to myself to blame and then use as an excuse to hide my stuff. Those who hold grievances will suffer guilt, as it is certain that those who forgive will find peace. Those who hold grievances will forget who they are, as it is certain that those who forgive will remember who they are. We come up against things we don't want to give up, that's how our resistance and our hidden unconscious hatred shows up at times. Those are the things we have to look at eventually. But real peace is found by undoing the ego, not by covering it up. So what is it about our ego mistakes that can bring us to celebration? Once we begin to disarm the ego, we can begin to see our true selves. There is no greater gift than that, in my opinion, anyway. When we begin the transformation of the old pain, guilt, suffering from the past and rid our minds from the, of the ghosts of the past, only then can we begin to claim our divinity, our divine self, or the kingdom of heaven within us, as Yeshua taught. A mistake that leads us to learning a valuable insight is a cause for celebration. To celebrate in the midst of our mistakes and learn from them is but the evidence of an enrichment that comes to us from learning how to live in the question. Instead of living in the question, or rather instead of fooling ourselves by hiding in our shadows, in this experience is the magic of serendipity. To live in the question is to not need some dogmatic or sure answer, but to live in our quest for the truth. To wander as I wander is the way I like to say it. We're coming up on t time for another break, so I'll be back with you in just a couple minutes. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Jim Stacy is the author of 11 books, including his first title, Jesus Was Not a Christian, Healing the Shame and Fear from Man-Made Theology. That book is available on Amazon. The other 10 books, which are titled A Healing Spiritual Journey, are available as downloads on thedivineiswithinus.com. When you visit that site, you may also download his CDs and articles, and you can also find out more about where Jim will be speaking, spiritual retreats, and vision quests. Visit www.thedivineiswithinus.com today. 
Jim Stacy's first book, Jesus Was Not a Christian, is available on Amazon.com. Discover what the church has been hiding for over 1,700 years. Find out why people carry the wounds of guilt and shame instead of the power of loving and being loved. Discover that you are part of the divine. Learn about the kingdom of heaven within you and find out why history has been twisted by those who slaughtered tens of thousands of innocent people. See why the real Jesus never said the words hell or sin. Jesus was not a Christian. Available right now on Amazon.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. listening to Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting. If you have a question or comment about our program, please send an email to thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. Again, that's thedivineiswithinus at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Here again is Jim Stacy. As I mentioned earlier, to wander as I wander has been one of the really meaningful expressions in my life. As I wander through life, I wonder, what is the truth? As I wander down this path or that path, I wonder, is this the truth or is that the truth? And the most amazing thing is this. I don't have to worry about it. I just keep learning. Keep an open mind and keep an open heart. I don't have to have some rigid answer so I can feel safe. And this is what understanding and experiencing the divine within will do for us because we can just relax. I don't need to know anything for certain. And there are some things I know. There are some things I believe. Some things I know, sort of. Some things I'm not sure of. But the beauty of the quest for the divine within is that we we just simply get to wonder as we wander. The transformed self is cause for both great celebration and stepping into empathy, healing, loving others along our path, There is nothing quite as powerful as when one has been wounded and they do their inner work. Then they become what some have called a wounded healer for others. Now that's worth celebrating. Yet I say the goal is to become a healed healer. One who has been wounded, yes. But when we learn how to heal our wounds, we can become a healed healer or a healing healer, whatever term you like. But the truth is, we're all in various places along our path of learning how to heal. We need to be patient with each other. We need to be kind and gentle. We need to speak the truth to each other lovingly, knowing that we all need each other's encouragement. For the the ones who have found some answers in that quest, that is where we learn to celebrate our mistakes. When we see ourselves and others, When we see that they are not just guilty, but I'm also one who has done the very same thing. So then we sit down together or we stand up and dance together and we say, wow, we're learning in these experiences. We're learning from our mistakes. We make the same one. So why don't we just encourage each other? Why don't we just say, wow, let's learn together. We can do that. I know because I'm experiencing that. And There are people who, I think in in almost every case, once they see that, are willing to say, wow, yes, I'll do that too. 
But before we become that healed healer, we have to choose to learn and to grow through all of our human experiences. Mistakes? <laughs> Just what are those? I ask people. Why do we use that label? Why is that a judgment? Sometimes it is. Many times it is. We either judge others or we judge ourselves. And yet the most common of human reactions to others making mistakes are usually some forms of guilt and shame thrown at that person instead of stepping into their experience and learning. What is it? What different experiences in their lives have made them the kind of person that they are today? There's an old saying that we need to walk a mile in someone else's moccasins before we understand who they are. And the truth about that is simply this. The Native American concept is very, very important because when someone puts on their moccasins, of course, they're fresh and pliable and all that. But as they wear them, they become firmly uh, shaped by the shape of their foot. And later, they become more stiff and rigid, comfortable for the person who has worn them, but not comfortable for anyone else. So we put on somebody else's moccasins, they're not going to feel very good. And it's by doing that that we understand what is it in someone else's past that has shaped them and their moccasins, shall we say, as they are. Once we really see the events, the, 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 the joys, the, the sadness, the, the victories, the defeats, and all that somebody else has been through, we can then look them in the eye and say, hmm, I understand more of why that person is the person that they are today. For they've not done anything that others haven't done also, myself included. We are all human beings living the very best that we can so many times. I think we, almost all the time, we're doing the best we can. And so when we make a mistake, what else is there but to celebrate it in myself and with each other? The human reactions of judgments, condemnations, rules, blame, shame, accusations of being stupid or not good enough or less than are all part of one person's effort to deflect attention from their own mistakes. But for the one who is only trying to shine the light on somebody else, that is a common behavior. Any derogatory comment that shines the light away from their own mistakes is the choice of the one who is also guilty of making someone else less than themselves. Studies have shown that police officers are far more likely to abuse and beat their own spouses than other groups of men are. It is interesting indeed to wonder just why some men feel the need to put on a uniform, pick up a badge and a gun just to make others behave. Why do sports referees want to become the one who is in control of the game? The same reason? I had a neighbor years ago who was an actually professional referee. And he lived like he was a referee for all the neighbors too. And I wondered, hmm, that's interesting indeed. What about the preachers who stand up and preach about morality and behaving and not sinning and so much more? And then they're caught behind the scenes doing exactly what they've condemned from the pulpit. This has happened, too, in just the last few weeks. Wouldn't it be interesting if the whole congregation would stand up and point their fingers back at the preacher and say, What about you? 
<laughs> and yet, the church has never chosen to be the world-class example of love here on the planet. But that is exactly what Yeshua taught, as was most important, to love your neighbor, to love your own self, to love your enemies. And how can we do that unless we are willing to celebrate each other's mistakes and love each other in the midst of them? I'll have much more to say on these in the near future, but my question is, how can a church that claims Yeshua or Jesus as Lord miss the mark so badly? Why is it a message of guilt and shame that they're famous for instead of love? It's easier to label someone else as an enemy than it is to love them. And right there is the curse of any religion that is full of fear. And what I say is this. If I refuse to label anyone as an enemy, I will never have any. Think about that for a minute. Is it not our labeling of others as enemy that makes them one? And so I have chosen and doing my best to say nobody's my enemy. Hmm, it's interesting what makes that person who they are, but I'm not going to label them as an enemy. As John Gardner says, we're all faced with great opportunities brilliantly disguised as insoluble problems or brilliantly disguised as enemies, shall we say. We are the ones who have chosen to use that label. So again, no label, no enemy. To live in the energies of always making mistakes and being ashamed of them is to live in a battle almost every moment of one's life. It is to carry a very heavy burden to feel that no matter what, they'll never be good enough. But let me say this, shame does not have to be your religion. Guilt does not have to be your religion. Neither do you have to attend the first church of making mistakes. That does not have to be your choice either. The path to our deepest inner self is the most beautiful experience of the human alive here on this planet today in this physical form. Here in this temporary reality, we are surrounded by three-dimensional physical beings that seem more real than the spiritual realm of the divine. But it is here in this realm that we have come to learn what is really important as far as the eternal scheme of things is concerned. That path to one's deepest self is a path of sheer delight, beauty, celebration, purpose, creativity, meaning, and so much more. I'm delighted to have some future shows already planned on all these experiences. Sometimes we just don't know where to begin, but we always begin right where we are. As Buddha said, there are only two mistakes one can make in life. <laughs> one is not starting, and two is not going all the way. So what does that path to truth look like? Where do we begin? Making the journey from not knowing to discovery is essentially the human journey upon which sooner or later we discover ourselves walking. But remembering that we chose it does not come easily. Plodding along, skipping with delight, trudging through a snowstorm, or whatever, we shed tears of both delight and pain. We enter the divine paradox that we call humanity, or we both at times roll on the ground in laughter or tear our hair out in, with frustration. 
It is the human experience to travel the road between uncertainty and discovery, as well as to feel both fear and fulfillment in the unfolding mystery of who we are and where we're going. But why this reality exists at all is beyond our consciousness until we begin to awaken. To choose to stay in the mystery of the paradox is to choose what I call the road less traveled. Isn't there enough pain, frustration, difficulty in life without choosing to look into all of that more deeply? You got to be kidding me, Stacy, someone might say. I've got enough on my plate already without delving within myself to learn more. But when was the last time something of great value came to you without having made the effort to discover it? Those of us in the Western world have far more to learn, or should I say unlearn, than many other humans. The race from one distraction to another. We must step off of that racetrack. We must decide that looking deep within is very, very important. The journey from beliefs in the head to knowing in the heart is the toughest journey for the human who is blinded by distractions. From not knowing to the sacred discovery is not a race, it's an unfolding adventure into and beyond the mystery of the unknown. But here in the Western world, we faced difficulties in understanding this. One of the greatest enemies we have is called dualism. Dualism in the Western world is that fabricated belief that we as humans are bad to the core, we're lost, we're without hope, we're guilty, and there's an angry deity somewhere waiting to punish us, and we're separate from that deity. But no, Yeshua said, the divine is within you. The deceptions and the delusions in the Western culture do not stop with dualism and perverted theology. Fear-filled minds have created much more. Once the human lies are believed and we think that separation is true, a huge error creeps into our soul where all fears that come out of that intense feeling of being separate, isolated, and alone comes the idea that this is all normal. Well, it's not normal. It's not at all. It was even given a name, though, and it's called independence. Independence is to be all alone. With the independence comes its cousins of ignorance, rugged individualism, fear of survival, strife, conflict, me versus you, and all the rest. What we need is interdependence. We need to build community with each other, wherein we have much more than just ourselves. Because when we develop the idea of independence, then we become competitive. Independence means I have to compete with other people for everything. Space on the road, jobs, I have to compete with everyone for money, everything in life. When independence is our perspective, competition becomes the reality. But within all these deceptions and the passing of this patriarchal age, we have much to unlearn and reintegrate within ourselves. The task of letting go of the illusions which we've clung to for so long in our lives sometimes seems to be a daunting task. The journey from deception to awakening is our calling. The one core issue that will hold us steady as we walk the path of our divine essence. 
That's about all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'm going to go much further with these ideas and thoughts in the future. Next week's show, Dancing in the Delights of Imperfection. I'll see you then. Thank you for tuning into the program today. Please join Jim Stacy for another edition of Beyond Religion, Your Life is Waiting, next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. This week, let the divine work for you and with you. You're bound to experience a new life.